Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us, and it's a gobble-gobble week. It's Thanksgiving week, and a week that the T.C. Horn Frogs have had circled on their calendar since the beginning of the season. This is a game that before the season I told you was going to be an important one. I did not know the stakes. The stakes have never been higher for a last game of the season for TCU. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about men's and women's basketball, they're, what they're doing. And then I do want to talk about the uh, Big 12 championship game. TCU not going to be playing in that one, but they will potentially have a chance to play spoiler. So a lot of fun things happening. We'll get to all of that and more. But first, got to remind you, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast wherever you get your hypno toad, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get the hypno toad podcast. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, that helps us grow the brand. It helps us build the brand. You are the brand. You are helping us continue to uh, make this little journey. A year in the books of the Hypno Toad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We would not be able to do it without you and your ratings and review. Also, win a free Harlan College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Send it to Pete Mundo, Pete Mundo, the big boss, M-U-N-D-O, at harlancollegesports.com, and uh, he will send you a koozie. Never a bad time for a koozie. All right, TCU beats the absolute breaks off of Baylor. Uh, this is one of those games where before the season, I would have told you that TCU was going to win. After watching Baylor play these last couple weeks, I have a sneaking suspicion that they were going to be absolutely awful. But what's nice is that for a senior night, for the last time that something like I think it's like 15 odd players are going to suit up and play for TCU, it's nice to get a win like that. A 42-17 absolute trouncing of the Baylor Bears. Now, this is one of those games where from the start TCU was jumped on all top on top of them. Uh everybody looked good. The defense looked good, the offense looked good, the special teams looked good. You should look that good when you're playing one of the worst teams in college football this year. When you talk about the winners and losers of the 2023 college football season, of course you're going to talk about the national champion. Of course you're going to talk about the teams that make the playoffs and win their conference. Okay, But when you talk about the losers, it's very easy to get distracted. Now, TCU fans, I hate to tell you this, we are going to get talked about as one of the losers. We're going to be talked about as one of those teams that had high expectations and then kind of didn't live up, actually didn't kind of, didn't live up to them. Did not live up to the high expectations that a lot of us thought we would, myself included, uh, should be held to. So that is one thing. TCU, potentially a loser of the 2023 college football season. Baylor will be on the marquee. When you talk about college football losers this year, Baylor will be on the marquee. In fact, they might be the number one biggest loser of the college football season. Their head coach on the hot seat, everything else that goes along with it. When you have a team that is as bad as Baylor come to town, you have to get, you got to do business. You have to handle your business and get the job done. That's exactly what TCU did. So let's talk about it. Uh, Josh Hoover, 83% passes completion this uh, on Saturday, 412 yards, two TDs. It looked incredible. Jared Wiley, final game at the Carter, had a great game, seven receptions, 178 yards, two TDs. Uh, was great. He had a scoring play from 81 to 21 yards out. He breaks the TCU record for most yards in a game by a tight end. Now, the question now is, there's two big questions that come out of this game. 
Number one, did TCU find their quarterback for 2024? It's Josh Hoover, the guy, going forward. Now, I will say I have not been impressed by Josh Hoover this season. Filling in for Jantler Morris, I understand he's a red shirt sophomore. I get that there is a learning curve with all of this. I understand that there were some games this year that he was put into, situations that he was put into that he could not live up to. He couldn't. His his skill level, his talent is there. He was not ready for the moment. That is completely understandable. I, I will give him a pass. Okay, we'll give him an exception for those. But there were other plays, other games, other situations this season that he should have been ready for. There was other situations that he should have been prepared for. Okay, I think about going to Ames this year. He should have been prepared. The, the coaching staff let him down. He kind of let me down. The defense has been a problem. The play calling with Kendall Browles has been a big issue for me this year. Josh Hoover is not going to be the poster child of a bad TCU season. I don't care if they – well, we'll get to that in a second here. If they don't go bowling, season unmitigated failure. We agree? TCU doesn't go bowling this year. After going to the national championship last year, after being one of, I think, seven teams to win a college football playoff game, the first of the Big 12 schools to win a college football playoff game last season, to go from that to miss the playoffs entirely, to miss the bowl season entirely, that's a failure. That's a letdown. Josh Hoover, is he the quarterback going forward? 2024, it's still left, it's still to be determined. I, I still give it an incomplete. I need to see what he looks like against Oklahoma this weekend. I need to see what the transfer portal looks like this offseason. Because I'll tell you, Josh Hoover is a hundred percent the car that you would trade in immediately. If you went to the dealership and they said they could give you a trade in and give you a couple extra bucks for your value, you would do it. This kid Seems like a nice guy. You listen to the quotes. Seems like a nice guy. You talk to the reporters who cover this team. Seems like a genuine dude. If he plays this, the same level in 2024 as he did this season, which would be inexcusable to me, he has a complete offseason potentially as QB1. You have an entire year to train with this coaching staff to know that you're going to be the guy potentially. If he comes back and looks like this next year, and this feels weird coming after a game where he completed – 83% 83% of his passes for 400 yards. It feels It feels disingenuous for me to say, like, oh, he needs to get better. But he does. Beating Baylor should not give you the crown to wear next season as QB1. There's still a lot of room to grow. I think that it's premature if you're a fan saying that this kid is the guy going forward. I, I haven't seen enough for me to say, okay, I like his I, – I, I want this guy to be my QB next year. Haven't seen enough. Uh, time will tell. <laughs> Time will very much tell uh, if he's the guy going forward. But I right now, incomplete. Cannot cannot grade him on that. Here's the other thing. Another big question: Is it actually a rivalry game between Baylor and TCU? Now this is this was an interesting stat. The Horned Frogs have bested Baylor eight of nine meetings. They are twelve and four against Baylor since TCU was left out of the Big Twelve in 1996. Baylor has defeated TCU fewer times. From 96 to now, so in the past 27 years, TCU has lost fewer games to Baylor than they have to SMU. One might argue, which I would agree, 
Iron Skillet is a more hotly contested rivalry than the Blue Bonnet Battle. I agree. Uh, look, it's a rivalry due to proximity. It's a rivalry due to location, regionality. There is a rivalry between two private schools. Totally understandable. If you are a TCU fan who has been a fan forever, if you're an alumni who says, yes, of course, Baylor is our rival, I'm not going to disagree with you there. But when you compare it to hotly contested rivalries where it's a 50-50 or a 60-40 even, or in Bedlam's case, where Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, Oklahoma runs that rivalry, but it's highly contested because it does not matter. It does not matter if Oklahoma is a defending national champion and Oklahoma State hasn't recorded a win yet. You throw the record books out and you say anything can happen. And in this rivalry, that has not been the case. Because in this one, between Baylor and TCU, the team that is just better wins. Doesn't seem like rocket science. You're probably scratching your head here wondering what the hell I'm talking about. It's it's not rocket science, okay? When TCU has a good program, it doesn't matter what Baylor's doing, they're not going to win. <laughs> and in fact, if you told me, if I had to predict the next five of these rivalry games between TCU and Baylor, I would say TCU's going to win four of the next five. Statistics show, history shows, TCU's the better team. So I'm taking TCU going forward. Um, Jared Wiley, that's the last thing I want to I address here, talking about last week. He had an NFL game. It's the first game this season that really stood out to me. Baylor, of course, again, not world beaters by any means, but that was the first game that Wiley played that I said to myself, I could see this guy playing on Sunday. Now, maybe that's because he was beating up on little brother a little bit. Maybe that's because he was beating up on the Baylor secondary that has been bad all season long. That could possibly be part of it. I'm more inclined to believe that Hoover has found his favorite target. We've seen it happen here the last couple weeks, last few weeks. This has been the guy that Hoover wants to point at. This is the guy he wants to target, especially in the red zone. And I think that Jared Wiley's NFL stock, a little bit of a bump over uh, last week's win against Baylor. All right, let's talk about Oklahoma this Friday uh, for a chance to go to a bowl game. Before the season, I told you that TCU was a two-loss team, potentially a Big 12 champion, potentially in the college football playoffs, depending how the rest of the college football landscape shook out. Well, that was immediately crushed week one. Okay, My win prediction total went out the window uh, about, what, 10 weeks ago now. So I have, I'll be honest. Before the season, I looked at this Oklahoma schedule I looked at this Oklahoma game, and I said, this game for TCU is a trap game. You play Texas, then Baylor, then Oklahoma. Texas and TCU are going to be playing for the Big 12 championship game. That was my prediction before the season. Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel and Venerable, uh, Brett Venerable, the head coach of the Sooners now, and, and the defense this year, they've completely turned a corner. I, I think the Oklahoma defense is worlds better than it was three years ago, and it is better than it was last year. Just saying something, they didn't have a bad defense last year either. Uh, 11 a.m. kickoff on Friday. This is your Friday game after Thanksgiving, which I'm always very happy for. Oklahoma, they escaped BYU last week 31-24. to Now, the big thing for Sooners coming into this game is the fact that Dylan Gabriel did not play in the second half, and true freshman Jackson Arnold did. Now, Arnold in that game 
high-pressure situation. He did just enough to win. Third and eight in the fourth quarter, he was uh, very good. He completed a pass third and eight in the fourth. Uh, that's in the game notes here. Um, Oklahoma's a very opportunistic defense. They were able to pick off a pass, went 100 yards back for it. If you take that one play away, uh, this is a completely different ball game, clearly, for Oklahoma. They potentially don't get out of BYU with a win. The venerable defense that it's lauded right now, it's feeling pretty good. It feels like if you ask me before the season where I put Oklahoma, I'd say maybe seventh, eighth in uh, the Big Big Twelve when it came to defense. I I thought, like I said, I thought the defense was good. I didn't think it was going to be the second best defense in the conference and one of the top ten defenses in the country. Did not expect that. But they struggled against the RPO last week. Now, TCU's offense, Josh Hoover is mobile. I'm not going to say he's the most mobile quarterback, but he can move around in the pocket. He has the ability. But with the play calling that we have seen over the past two months, I'm not going to assume that uh, Kendall Browse is going to watch any film uh, against Oklahoma. I'm going to assume that he will have no idea what he's doing uh, when it comes to calling plays against the Sooner defense. If if BYU potentially gave us a roadmap, potentially gave us a blueprint on how to beat the Sooners, and Oklahoma State potentially gave us a blueprint on how to beat the Sooners, and Kansas potentially gave us a blueprint on how to beat the Sooners, I'm going to assume that Kenna Bryles won't watch any of that film and come in with the most stale game plan imaginable. That is what I expect from this week. Now, OU opens up as an 11-point favorite at home. Dylan Gabriel missed the second half of that game against BYU with an upper body injury. Now, we don't know if he can go or not. We're recording this podcast Monday afternoon. From this point, we can only know what we were told, right? And our friend George Stoya um, at Sooner Scoop, friend of the show, uh, he had pretty good reporting on this. He said that Venerable has talked to Gabriel, and if Gabriel can go, he will go on Saturday or on Friday against the uh, Horned Frogs. That makes me feel op- optimistic that he will play. But Jackson Arnold looked good enough to be the starter. He played well in the second half. He didn't turn the ball over in dumb ways. Okay, he, I think he's a guy that if you give him the ball, he might be able to make something happen here, which makes me very nervous for this game on Friday. Now, he is the most anticipated backup quarterback not named Manning in the country. He was a five-star quarterback coming out of uh, Denton. He he looks the part of the college football quarterback. He looks the part of the Oklahoma Sooner quarterback. And I'm not talking about Baker and Kyler or any of these guys who were kind of like transfers. The Lincoln-Riley quarterback carousel where he just was essentially taking other people's quarterbacks and putting them in a system and turning them into – Heisman winners and NFL first round talents. Like you think about that run they had with Baker and Kyler and Jalen Hurts. You potentially have three. We have two for legit number one overall picks. And then you also have Jalen Hurts, who is playing at MVP level right now for the Eagles. So they had a ton of talent in Oklahoma, ton of talent in Norman. But I think that Arnold looks more like the Sam Bradford, right? He looks more like the prototypical. Oklahoma Sooner quarterback that you grew up watching, that you know you can you can expect, right? And that that makes me very concerned about this game this Friday. TCU 
Have this game circled on the calendar before the season. I had this game circled on the calendar before the season because I did not think Oklahoma was going to be this type of juggernaut team. But they are, and they're playing their senior day in Norman in November. All signs that we have seen from this TCU team. Now, maybe you look at the Baylor win and you're more optimistic about it than I am. Maybe you think to yourself, well, the offense looked good. The defense looked really, really good. It looked incredible. We didn't even talk about that nearly enough about that Baylor win, how good the defense played against Baylor. And you know, part of, again, is the Baylor's coaching staff MIA, a little missing in action from the Baylor coaches. We didn't talk about how good the defense was. Oklahoma, whether it be Arnold or Gabriel playing, will have the best quarterback on the field. And normally, that's enough for the Sooners to win games. The defense is legit. The, I will say, I don't think TC wins this game. There's a lot of things I am. Honest is, above all, the most important. I'm going to come out and I'm going to tell you, if the TCU football program that we have seen play the past two months comes to play in this game, Oklahoma's winning it. The 11-point spread, money line, I don't care. Oklahoma's getting the job done on Friday if this TCU program with Sonny Dykes at the helm, with Kendall Browse calling these plays, if if that team from two weeks ago against Texas shows up, we have a shot. If the team that played against Baylor shows up, we have a we have a shot. Team that played against West Virginia, Iowa State, Colorado shows up. This is going to be a, a long. Thanksgiving weekend for Horn Frog fans. All right, I want to move on, talk about the Big 12 tiebreaker because this has been uh, insane. <laughs> okay, now the Big 12, what, however you feel about the commissioner, however you feel about the conference, um, they have not made it a secret. They have not made it a secret that they would not exactly be thrilled if the Big 12 championship game was Oklahoma and Texas. Which, if you're one of those conspiracy theorists that believe that because the Big 12 wouldn't want Oklahoma to play in the Big 12 championship game, the only real way for them to make that happen is for TCU to get the job done this weekend, Friday, against uh, Oklahoma. Well, all right, here it is. Scenarios for the college football championships around the Big 12 matchup on Friday, okay? Oklahoma remains in contention with either a win or a loss against TCU. Okay, so if win or lose, Oklahoma is still in contention. Texas will clinch both a berth to the championship and the number one seed, which would make them the home team in the championship, with a win over Texas Tech. If Texas wins and clinches a berth on Friday, here's what happens for Saturday. If Oklahoma State beats BYU, then Oklahoma State clinches a berth in the championship as the two seed versus Texas. Okay. If Oklahoma beats TCU on Friday and then that win is followed by a Texas win and an Oklahoma State loss, then the Sooners clinch a berth in the Big 12 championship as a two-seed versus Texas. So you understand that? Oklahoma has to beat TCU and then Texas has to win 
which is, will be very weird for Sooner fans to root for the Longhorns, and Oklahoma State has to lose. If Kansas State beats Iowa State on Saturday and Texas wins and Oklahoma loses to TCU and Oklahoma State loses, the Wildcats clinch a berth in the championship as a two-seed. So for Kansas State to get in, they have to win their game, Texas has to win, and both the Oklahoma schools have to lose. All right. Now, what happens if Texas Tech beats Texas in that rivalry game on Friday? No team can clinch a bid to the championship until Saturday if Texas loses to Texas Tech. Texas can clinch a berth in the championship if two of the three lost schools, that would be Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, lose on Friday or Saturday, Texas and the remaining winning team of those three qualify for the championship. So, if Texas loses... They need two of the three, that would be Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, to lose on Friday or Saturday, depending. If Texas loses on Friday and two of the three two-loss teams win amongst Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State on Friday, Saturday, then there will be three or four teams tied for both championship berths. Multiple scenarios exist in the circumstance contingent to those teams remaining in the tiebreaker pool. So, if that happens, we go to a different tiebreaker. I wanted to lay all of that out there for you as a TCU fan. So what you're rooting for here, because TCU fans, we're out of it. We are not playing in the college, or we're not playing in the Big 12 playoff game, right? That's, we're not playing the championship game. The situation that I think TCU fans want the most, beat Oklahoma, Texas is already in, and have Oklahoma State get it. That is to me, the situation that you would want the most. So you want TCU to win and you want Texas to win and you want Oklahoma State to essentially win too and then Kansas and Kansas State and Oklahoma both to lose. That, I think, to me, is makes the most sense as from a TCU fan point to, to make it into the playoffs or to, to set up the Big 12 championship. Let's move on. TCU women's basketball, 5-0 for the first time in program uh, history under a new coach. TCU women's basketball, they haven't missed a beat under new coach Mark Campbell. I told you this was going to happen. Uh, Horn Frogs remain undefeated after a big win uh, in the Maggie Dixon Classic against Army. That was an 88-51 win. Uh, coach Campbell is the first TCU women's basketball coach to start a career 5-0. Now, two players absolutely freaking killing it right now. Oregon transfer, Sedona Prince, she shined individual performance, had a season-best 33 points and 16 rebounds against Army. It's her fourth double-double in five games. Uh, Arizona transfer, Madison Connor had 24 points and nine assists. The team travels to Florida to play in the St. Pete Cl or Showcase Thursday against UTEP and then Saturday against Nebraska. So they will be having their turkey in Florida. I also want to mention that uh, the, the commitment of Haley Cavender – I think her name is, remember the twin sisters, it's Haley and uh, her sister Hannah. They both played for the uh, Miami women's basketball program. This does not impress me at all. Um, look, they're both very good social media influencers that will bring a ton of attention to the women's basketball program. You cannot disagree with that. What I will say is I don't like extra distractions. This women's basketball team is poised to make a run at the Big 12 playoff or Big 12 championship game against Texas in a conference that is chock full of very good women's basketball talent. I want this team to succeed. I think that Mark Campbell 
is doing the right thing by bringing um, her on, right? Social media, engagement, all that type of stuff. You potentially are going to get more uh, very good to excellent women's basketball players coming to your program when they're on Instagram, when they're in middle school and high school, seeing somebody like this, a social media influencer playing basketball, there's a chance that you are going to be able to potentially even keep her on staff afterwards as an ambassador to potentially bring players on. All of that being said, the downside of this entire thing potentially is, A, it's a roster spot. She's not all that good, period. Uh, and B, the added distraction. We've already seen what's happening at LSU. Now, I hope she has success. I hope this is not does not come out to be the case that she isn't a distraction. She actually contributes. She's a good player. I hope all that is true. But I immediately was skeptical and it made me a little nervous. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Um, TC men's basketball four and zero for the first time since 2020 after a win against Mississippi Valley State on Friday. That was an 86-52 win. Took five minutes to get the lead, but after that, never looked back. TC forced like I think 21 turnovers. Defense was led by Jameer Nelson Jr. with five steals. Avery Anderson had four steals. Um, TCU took advantage of MVS's mistakes, scoring 30 points off turnovers. They'll be back in action Tuesday, the 21st, at 7 p.m. against Alcorn State. TCU only has two more home games on this stretch and will not return home until January. So if you're a Horn Frog fan listening and you want to see the TCU men's basketball program play, this is your chance. Now, granted, none of these games have been absolutely, you know, uh, barn door busters when it comes to you know great programs that they're seeing. 4-0, still impressive. I'll take it. Um, I like that both my teams are a combined 9-0. When you consider that the rest of the conference, the rest of college basketball, it's just starting. Some teams are dropping some games that they probably shouldn't be dropping. I like the fact that both the women's and men's teams are both uh, winning games that they are supposed to win. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. I'm very grateful, very thankful on this Thanksgiving week that you have tuned in to listen to the Hypnotoad podcast. I hope that you have an excellent and safe Thanksgiving. If you're listening to the podcast while you're driving or going to a family member or friend's house for Thanksgiving, please make sure you uh, wear your stretchy pants and eat as much food as possible. My hot take for the podcast this week, dark meat over white meat. I love me some dark meat. White meat is only good for the turkey sandwiches that come after Thanksgiving, which is why Thanksgiving is the number one holiday in my household. The number one holiday in the Zimmel household is Thanksgiving because of uh, the leftovers that we get. I absolutely love it. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Please continue to support the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. And one more time, TCU Oklahoma this weekend, Friday, 11 a.m. It's an early kickoff. You're going to want to get up. You're going to want to stretch out. You're going to want to make some turkey sandwiches and just veg out on the couch and enjoy uh, this entire great weekend of uh, college athletics, football, just across the board. I hope TCU gets the win. I hope we're recording a podcast on Monday where I'm wrong, but uh, we will talk. We'll talk then. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will be back next week.